Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message is both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. As we all move forward in light of COVID-19, we want to encourage you to make a priority of joining us in person for worship. Because as you know, listening to a podcast can never replace the need we all have for fellowship and corporate worship. So we look forward to seeing you soon. In the meantime, here is this week's message. Well, good morning. I'm glad to be here with you today as we continue our sermon series titled Journey of Faith. And over the past few weeks and for the next few more weeks, we're going to be continuing to look at the large topics, a big overview of the book of Hebrews. So far, we've looked at several different things. We saw that Pastor Gary opened up and talked about the supremacy of Jesus Then we talked about the journey of faithfulness and how that will lead to a place of rest. Last week, we talked about the journey of doubt and how we all experience it. We'll all have to deal with it. And when we're facing doubt, we need to point ourselves and fix ourselves, put our thoughts back on who Jesus is. Today, What we're going to talk about, I'm really excited about. It's a really big deal, but I do want to warn you, you may get offended. In fact, the longer you've been in church, you're probably more likely to be offended. This is a weird way to start a sermon, isn't it? I know. Who wrote this? I don't know. And so... Just whatever you need to do to process that, to work through that, to, if you need to gasp, if you need to roll your eyes, if you need to elbow someone, let's just go ahead and do that because I don't want you to be offended because what the author of Hebrews is about to do, you know what's coming if you've read Hebrews before. What the whole author of Hebrews is about to do is get your attention and he's not interested in you know, your feelings. I'll be honest, he, he really wants to spur you towards something else. So he's trying to grab your attention. He's trying to pull you, grab you. And then I want you to know it's, it's going to be a little offensive. Second warning. Got a lot of warnings today. Today's going to be a different type of sermon. So if you love outlines, if you love note-taking, you are going to be thrilled today. Only three people were excited. Jawan was one of them, I know for a fact. Yeah, so today's going to be a little bit different. I have a lot of information to share with you. If you have your Bible with you, go ahead and open up to Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 11. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. It's going to be on the screen, but here's what's going on. The writer of Hebrews has said some amazing things about Jesus being greater than, than everybody. Jesus is the top. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Aaron. He's greater than the angels. And then he talked about, as we looked at last week, about Jesus being our great high priest. And he knew, like, well, you may know, is when you talk about Jesus, our priest, he knew they'd be like, all right, man, I'm good, I'm tired, let me just check out. He will go into several chapters explaining all about it, to which we're like, hey, that's born. He said, oh, I know that's what you think. So before we get there, he says this, Hebrews 5.11, he says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. This is important, don't go to the next slide. He's not saying you can't understand, you're not smart enough to understand. He's saying you no longer try. You give up, you don't wanna go deeper. Just remember, our faith has always been a thinking faith. Christianity has always been in the business of education, it's always been in the business of teaching people to read and to, to write. Christianity is a very, 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 very much thinking faith and encourages you to think 
and continue to learn in your faith. He says this, verse 12. He says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Notice what he said. He said, all of us should be able to teach. He said, you should be able to teach by now. So one thing I want you to see in this is, did you know every single Christian, every single believer of Jesus Christ should be able to teach other people the basics of our faith? Every single Christian is able to lead a small group or Sunday school class. He says, by this time, you ought to be teachers, but you're not. It's not that you're not able and you're not ability. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to have this large stage or everybody's going to speak in conferences. He's not saying everybody's gifted the same. He said, but all of us should be able to teach the equivalent of if, if my son came up to you, he's six, about to turn six on Tuesday, yay for Tyler, my youngest. If he came up and said, hey, can you tell me the ABCs? How many of us would be able to do that? Does that make you an elementary school teacher? But it means you can teach the basics, can't you? Same here. He's saying all of us should be able to teach people the, the basics of our faith. All of us have those abilities. And he expounds. He said, but you need someone to teach you the elementary truths. Verse 13. He says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use, that's important, have trained themselves to distinguish between good from evil. Obviously, he's using a metaphor for the depth of knowledge. The deeper you go, he's saying, the more you understand. But they are infants. They still need their mother's milk. They're not able to grab hold of the meat, the steak. How many people want milk for dinner? How many people want steak and potatoes for dinner? Yeah, steak and potatoes sound much better. He's saying, yeah, you should be there by now. You should be eating the steak and the potatoes. You should be eating the meat of the faith, but we're still having to give you formula. You see, the more you understand, because look at what he says. He says, who by constant use? This is important. He's saying, because the more you understand, the more you can put into practice. You can't put into practice if you don't know. And knowledge just isn't about knowing. Knowledge is about then putting it in a practice by constant use because you were to train yourselves. You were to use that knowledge. You were to deepen your understanding of faith in order to use it to know good and evil, to do the things of God. See, unlike algebra, our faith has a purpose. That's for all you math teachers. I try my hardest to get in there every time I can. Our faith and our studying actually has a purpose. It actually makes sense. It's, it helps you to distinguish these things. But I want you to see something. Maturity comes from knowledge and experience. But it's not just the experience of life. You are not mature just because you're older. Do we understand that? Just because you're older doesn't make you more mature. It can help you be mature. But maturity comes from knowledge in the right experience. You can have all sorts of bad experience. That doesn't make you mature, does it? Yeah, the right experience. In other words, spiritual maturity comes, next slide. Spiritual maturity comes from spiritual knowledge and spiritual experiences. And this is a really big deal, especially in the church, because a lot of people come into the church, they go, I'm a great business leader. That doesn't mean you're a good church leader. 
We're here in the business of spiritual things. We're here in the business to make and mature disciples of Jesus Christ. Just because you know business, does that mean you know spiritual maturity? Just because I know spiritual maturity, does that mean I know business? No, they're different. We're in the business of spiritual things. So spiritual maturity comes from spiritual knowledge and spiritual experience. But notice, who's responsible for the growth? We are. You individually are responsible for your growth as a Christian. He says, you have used it to train yourself. Like, I can't do that. I can teach. I can help. But you, have, you are responsible for your own growth. Look at verse, chapter six, verse one. He says, therefore, let us move beyond. We gotta move forward. We can't keep repeating ourselves over and over and over again. We gotta, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. That's our goal, maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death. And the faith in God and instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. As you see, he lays out some basic doctrines. We're not going to look at those today. We could talk about that a different time. But what I want you to see is he says we need to move forward to maturity. We should be progressing in growth. We should be growing to be mature disciples of Jesus Christ. But just because you know a lot about the Bible, does that make you mature? Now remember, we learned knowledge and experience. So knowing the Bible and then putting the Bible into practice is what makes you mature. For instance, if I know I shouldn't have loud outbursts and yell at people, if I know I shouldn't do it, but I do it, does that make me mature? Yeah, knowing it, and not doing it, right? Putting it into practice, using my knowledge. So you can know so much. You can beat everybody in every game of Bible trivia ever. But if you don't put it into practice, if you don't live it out, you're not mature. You're just someone who knows a lot of things. This is very important because when we're talking about maturity, it has nothing to do with how long you've been in church. It has nothing to do with how much Bible knowledge you have. Although those two things can help. Maturity is something different. It's about your knowledge of the Bible and it's about your experience as a Christian. It's about you living out the principles and the practices of Jesus Christ. And all of us should strive to maturity. And this is my favorite part about who I am. You might say, well, Brian, I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough. That's not who I am. I get to remind you that I graduated high school with a 1.5 GPA. If I can do it, you can do it. You say, Brian, I don't like to read. Me neither. Brian, I don't like to write. Me neither. I don't like any of that stuff. I don't like to learn. I didn't like school. I didn't like absolutely any of that. And if it's possible for me to do it, I can't imagine what God can do with you. So I'm quite confident you are much smarter than me. So you, you can do this. You can become mature. We must all strive for it. And so we hear this maturity. It's a gut check. Makes us wonder, am I mature? Have I been mature? Who is mature? And the author is extremely direct. He doesn't pull any punch. He said, listen, you need to grow up. You need to stop drinking formula. You need meat. We need to move past this. And what does that look like? 
See, luckily for us, the Bible uses the, the human growth process as an illustration of a spiritual growth process. As you've seen in the book of Hebrews, he calls them infants. In 1 John, he talks about children in the faith. He talks about uh, young adults in the faith. And then he talks about spiritual parents. And so if we are moving towards maturity, we can see that the biblical writers use those as illustrations. And that's what we're going to take our time to look at for the rest of the time today. We're going to look at the stages of maturity. And luckily for us, we're not the first people to ask this. There have been so many books written about this. I heard a good sermon by Adrian Rogers a few months ago about this same thing. But the most helpful tool I have found the one that's helped me kind of look at this and the one that I think is, is, is just pretty nifty is written by this man named Jim Putman. He's a pastor, leads a pretty large church, but he's one of the leading voices for discipleship across the country. And several months ago, if, if you remember, I opened up an opportunity. I said, hey, if you'd like to learn more about discipleship, if you'd like to learn more about that, I'm taking people through a class and several people took me up on that. Other people did not, but we're going to learn. I'm going to share with you some of that information you would have learned. And if you want to learn, we're going to open those classes back up. Just a little foreshadowing to where we're going today, okay? Now, we're not going to get into all the details. I'm just going to give you highlights so you can understand what does maturity look like. And here's why we're sharing this. Number one, we want to be able to identify where we are at in our spiritual growth. Where we are at in our spiritual growth. You do not need to be your spouse's or your friend's Holy Spirit. Do we understand that? Meaning you don't need to elbow them. That's where you're at. All right, we don't need to convict people. The point of this is to identify where we are at in order to help us take the next steps to grow. It's not about judgment. It's not about being critical. It's not about being rude. It's not about putting you down. It's just realizing that if my goal is maturity... If I'm supposed to grow in maturity, I need a metric to get there. If I want to do anything, if I want to grow anything, I need a metric. I need some type of gauge to let me know I'm achieving that goal. If you want to grow your bank account, what do you measure? Wow, money, right? If I want to lose weight, I measure weight. You understand. So these are the metrics. These are the stages to help us get there. And again, last warning, if you don't agree, that's okay. If you, if you don't particularly like that, but all I ask you to do, and this is serious, because I think this is very biblical and it's helped me a lot. If you don't particularly like it, I just ask you, what metrics do you use? What do you use to gauge maturity? And whatever that is, let me know and I'd love to see it. And perhaps we can include that the next time we talk about these things. Oh, sorry, I have one more word of caution. Remember, it's human nature to reject things that challenge us. We like comfort, every one of us do. And if we're comfortable, we don't wanna change because change requires us to get uncomfortable. Growth requires change. If you're sitting here, Brian, if you're saying, Brian, why don't you just get on with it? What's taking you so long? Like, why are you giving disclaimers? And now you're giving disclaimers about disclaimers. Anybody pick that up? I did. Well, here's why. Some of us who've been in church for maybe 20 to 50 to 60 years are gonna find out we're spiritually immature. And I'm mature enough as a pastor and smart enough as a pastor to blame somebody else for this. Do you understand? So if you don't like it, I didn't write it. Blame the Bible or blame Jim Putman, but not me. 
I want us to move past all of that because this can be extremely helpful for your spiritual growth. There's no judgment. It's all about helping you get and become a mature follower of Jesus Christ. Putman says this. He says, it can be challenging to determine where an adult Christian is at in their spiritual growth process. With children, you can estimate their age because of their size. But spiritual age and maturity aren't so obvious. There are other difficulties as well. When it comes to spiritual maturity, the number of years someone has been a Christian doesn't matter. Some of the most spiritually immature people I've ever met have been in the church for 60 years or more. Conversely, some of the most spiritually mature people are young people who have been Christians just a few years. Again, this has nothing to do with trying to hurt you or put you down. This is all a gauge to help you. If the writer Hebrews says, you need to grow up, you need to mature, the goal of this is help you figure out how you can mature in your faith. Because I've sat through enough sermons where someone dropped a bombshell like that and then didn't give me next steps. And I just went to him going, well, now what? So stages of spiritual growth are these. Nope, I don't have that slide. Yes, I do. Look at that. Stage of spiritual growth. Spiritually dead, infant, child, young adult, parent. We're going to work through all of these today. Again, you can take notes. You'll be excited for this. Number one, spiritually dead. I don't have slides for that. You don't have to look for it. Spiritually dead is a person who doesn't know Christ. You familiar with that? Because we're told we have to be born what? Born again. Oh, man, you, your Sunday school teachers are killing it, right? We have to be born again, and they are characterized, especially said, by unbelief. Beliefs, attitudes, and values and behaviors are a disbelief in the supernatural, disbelief in God, disbelief in the possibility of God, a belief in multiple ways to heaven, and a one, one, especially today, you'll see this over and over, a belief that what's right for you is right for you, and what's right for me is right for me. Right, no objective truth. You say, well, Brian, that's not fair. Well, it is because Jesus claims to be the truth. And if you don't believe there's truth, you don't believe Jesus and, and you're, you know, characterized in unbelief. Common phrases, I don't believe there's a God. The Bible's just a bunch of myth and there's no hell because God is a God of love. Stuff like that. Now, their need, someone is spiritually dead, their need is the gospel. Their need is Jesus. They need to know Jesus. They need to understand Jesus. And I want to put this out there for anybody you may know or possibly you or you're watching online. If you are in this category where you just don't believe, I want you to know that I want to talk to you. And you say, well, Brian, you're just real busy. I mean, you don't have, you just got a lot going on. Yeah, but I have to do a lot of stuff I don't want to do. I want to do this. And so if you come and talk to me, then I don't have to do the other stuff. I can say, ha, I was busy talking with people about Jesus. They'll be like, oh, you're a pastor. You have to do it. And it works out great. So check this out. If you come and talk to me about the faith, then I don't have to do the other stuff and I am more excited. So help me not do the work I don't want to do by talking to me about what you need about Jesus and about learning about the growth. I want to spend as much time as you possibly need. And I mean that. So they need the gospel. You knew that. Next up, spiritual infant. Spiritual infants are new to the faith. They are characterized by ignorance and confusion and dependence. And that's not rude. They just don't know. If you're new, like, like a little baby infant, does a little baby infant know how the world works? No, because they're babies. They don't know. And it's not a bad thing they don't know. They will learn as they go. 
their beliefs, value, and attitude, behaviors, ignorance about what they need spiritually and what the Bible says about the life and purpose of Christianity, ignorance about, ignorance, excuse, ignorance about or frustrations towards Christianity and the church, a mix of Christianity and other religions and not knowing it. We see that a lot. Now, common phrases you may hear about someone who's a spiritual infant or maybe things you say. Next slide is I believe in Jesus, but my church is when I'm in the woods. Oh, by the way, all these are from him. I didn't come up with any of this. So again, who do you get mad at? That guy, not me. I'm just telling you something that's helpful that'll help you. Yeah, because I've heard every single one of these things up there. I picked, there's a bunch more, but I've heard every one of them. It says, I believe in Jesus, my church is in the woods. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. It's not true. Well, you don't have, never mind. We'll talk about it later. I don't have my life, excuse me, I have my life, okay, ignore the grammatical errors we may see throughout this. This is a lot of writing for me, okay? I have given my life to Jesus and I go to church, but I don't need to be close to other people. Which you may believe that, it, you just need to grow to understand we all need accountability. We all need other people. And their need, a spiritual infant's need is very simple. They need a spiritual parent. Next slide. Yep, they need spiritual parent. Just like an infant needs a, a parent to take care of and watch over them, so does a new person in Christ. And that's not a bad thing, it's a great thing. They need someone to guide them. They need to learn about the spiritual habits and they need to learn the purpose of the church, serving, giving, and relationships. Because if you didn't know, I'm glad you're here, the purpose of the church, serving, giving, and relationships, those come up all the time in the Bible. I mean, they're constantly talked to us. We need a foundation there. Spiritual infant. Next up, spiritual child. A spiritual child or young in their faith, they've learned biblical concepts and they've even used biblical terms. But one thing about a spiritual child, he says, is they do the right thing for the wrong reason. So, Brian, what does that mean? What that means is my son, my oldest, can be incredibly nice to everybody when Fortnite's in the picture. You take video games away, guess what? mean he's mean but if Fortnite, he's like oh i can be nice if i get to play games well should he be nice just to play games what kind of children did y'all raise no right no we he should not be nice just to play games he should be nice and also get to play games doing the right thing but for the wrong reasons right the wrong motivation so because children are naturally focused on themselves that's okay that's what children do it's part of the process we all become a child, we all grow up to the child stage, but we shouldn't stay there. Now, their beliefs, values, and attitudes, excitement over, back one. Yep, beliefs, values, attitudes, behaviors. Excitement over having deep relationships which they might not have had before. Enthusiasm about new teachings. Disillusionment because of their high expectations of others. All right, thinking that the church is full of perfect people and then when they find out it's not, because it's not, all right, they can get hurt really quick. They're just, they're young in their faith. Serving others in ministry as long as the benefit outweighs the cost. Because there's a key that we're gonna see. The key to growing is realizing you should be serving for the glory of whom? God. When it's about us, we're still young. We're still babes. The only way to mature is when it becomes about him. And that's, that takes growth, it takes time. Common phrases. 
I am not coming to church anymore. It has become too big and has too many people. The church isn't taking care of my needs. I didn't like the music today. If only they did it like, we've all heard these. Oh, keep going. Next one. I'm not being fed in my church, so I'm going to a church that meets my needs better. The pastor looked right at me and didn't say hello. Do you know how many times I've gotten in trouble for that? Y'all laugh. Like, not joking. People get very upset. And all I hear, it's not being right. I just say they're young in their faith. They're children. They're not mature. And I approach children very differently than I approach adults, don't you? So it's understanding that. It's not a bad thing. It's just the way it is. And their need is this. Their need? Connect to a church and small group. Like really, really connect. You go, hey, well, you can still be a child. Yeah, but relationship with God, not a transactional relationship, but an intimacy relationship where you get to know God, pursuing intimacy with God because it, it, once you become God-centered, that's the only way to continue going on where it's not about you, it's not about what you do, where it's about him and his glory. That is the key to growing where it's about him. And then learn the purpose of the Christian life, which is where it's, we are built to bring glory to God, not glory to ourselves. It takes time for that though. Next up, spiritual young adult. Look at these guys, a little different. Oh, hold on. Spiritual young adults, they're action service oriented. They're zealous for the Lord. They're God-centered and other-centered. They often want to do everything, but they don't take others on the journey with them. It's, 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 it's part of the growth process. It's good. Like, hey, I want to go. I want to do. But as you'll see, a parent takes people with them. All right? Okay, now look. Beliefs, values, and attitudes and behaviors. Desire to serve for the good of others and the glory of God. Desire to serve and be used in the church. Feel responsible for others' response to the gospel. And that can be positive or negative, but the idea there is if I share the gospel with Billy Bob at work and he doesn't accept Christ, I can feel like it's my fault he didn't accept Christ. Where what you learn is sharing the gospel, you're not responsible for how somebody responds. It's our duty to share if people are interested in it and help them know God. It's not our responsibility of whether they accept or reject. Common phrases. I love my group, but there are others who need a group like this. I think I could lead a group with some help. That is a pastor's dream to hear things like that. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> In my devotions, I came across something I have, I have questions. I noticed we don't have an old folks visitation team. I, again, I took all these from the book. Team, do you think I could be involved? Do you know the difference? Do you, do you see the common theme of the difference of the attitude? We don't have something. Hey, how can I help with it? Hey, I'm in the scriptures. I'm studying. I still have, of course, I need, need help with it. And then, man, everybody needs to be a part of this stuff. It's life-changing. See, it's starting to focus on others and helping and growing what's not just about me. Now, their need, their need is help navigating complex ministry situations. A lot of people start here and they think everything's black and white. You figure out in church, it is not black and white. It's gray. It gets complicated, it gets difficult, it's, it's, it's interpersonal relationships. Develop their spiritual gifts and learn how to take others on the journey. Instead of me doing everything on my own, I'm training and I'm helping other people um, grow in their faith. Next up, spiritual parents. Oh, he says this, I, don't, I didn't put it on there. Spiritual parents, he says this. He said, spiritual parents are intentional, strategic, oh, there it is. 
Spiritual parents are intentional, strategic, reproduction-minded, self-feeding. Do you remember, did you notice the part where the children said, this church isn't feeding me, so I have to go somewhere else? But a parent doesn't need someone to feed them. A parent can do what? Ah, feed themselves. And we know that, yeah. Feed, mission-minded, team-minded, and dependable. They are not just biblically knowledgeable. They are filled with the Spirit, so they have loving attitude encouraging others. You see, spiritual parents are committed to discipling others because there's one key thing about a parent. You have to have what? You have to have children to be a parent. And Jesus has called us to make and mature followers of Jesus Christ, which means there has to be what? The people. If I'm just doing it all, am I making disciples? If I'm bringing other people with me, I'm investing in other people, now I'm doing it. It's no longer about me, now it's about them. Beliefs, values, attitudes, and behaviors. Thinking in terms of what a team can do rather than an individual. Having a coaching mindset, encouraging and helping others. Thinking in terms of how to help a younger believer take the next step of faith in their development. Isn't that what parents do? Don't you know the difference between people who've had kids and having kids and there's no you, You've worked with them, you see, and you can look and say, hey, no, kids, kids don't operate that way. We wanna help kids grow. We wanna help them develop. Children look at me. Parents look at how do I help them grow. They look at other people. Next slide. Their needs. Oh, common phrases. This guy at work asked me to explain the Bible to him. Pray for me. We've got to baptize someone from our small group tonight. When is the next 101 class? Do you know that you can baptize people? Did y'all know that? We'll go over that one day. I've realized discipleship happens at home too. Will you hold me accountable to spend time discipling my kids? This is, hey, I understand what my mission is. I understand what I'm doing. Now I'm going to pour into other people. Their needs, they need to play on a team and be released and supported. What I have found is the greatest way to frustrate a leader or a mature Christian is not let them lead and not let them do what God has designed them to do. So in the mature, we want to release that. So the goal. The goal is for you and I to be mature followers of Jesus Christ. That is our responsibility. It's absolutely nobody else's fault if we do not grow in the faith. It's our job, your job, it's my job to grow as Christians. Because the goal our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gave us is to make disciples of all nations. Which means I need to be mature enough I need to grow, and I need to help others grow in their faith. And the author of Hebrews, he tells us why. Look at this, Hebrews 10. He says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. God won't forget what you do. God's not gonna forget it. He's not doing this because of some bad thing. He's saying, look, God's not unjust. He will not forget. You will be rewarded. Jesus talks about rewarding like there are benefits to following Jesus Christ. It may not all be perfect here on this earth. Life gets crazy. But that's what's called, what, what, what's the place we're going to? What's it called? Heaven. All right, that's later. He's not unjust. He won't forget. He says, we want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end, so that what you hopeful may be 
hoped for, maybe fully realized. We do not want you to become. Man, I like this guy. He's to the point. There's the problem. And that's what, he's gotten, that's what he's getting at the whole time. And he said at the very beginning, he said, we want you to stop trying to learn. What's he saying? We don't want you to become lazy. If you're not growing in the faith, it's laziness. Because you're able, you're capable, it's laziness. He says, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Now, I'm not calling you lazy. The Bible may be. But I don't know. I don't know your spiritual walk and your spiritual growth. That's for you to decide. But he says the problem is laziness because every one of us are tempted to become lazy in spiritual things. In fact, we can be so busy doing other things that we neglect the spiritual things. We don't put effort. We don't put commitment. We get busy. We got too much going on and we neglect the spiritual. See, a lack of maturity comes from laziness you've been in church for a long time the disciples were Jesus for three and a half years then he released them maturity takes effort so I ask what's your next step in maturity what's your next step in growth I have three things I want to let you know about and you let me know if you want to be a part of it first up if you're in the earlier stages of your walk with Jesus opportunities for to grow if you're in the new part of your faith, if you're a seeker, you're starting a returner, meaning you want to know about the faith, you're just learning about the faith, you're coming back to the church, I want to help you and I want to walk with you to a small group, it's going to be on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock for seeker starters and returners called Starting Point. It's where we're going to learn the basics of the faith, it's an eight week, I mean you got to be committed to it, but eight weeks, and it's just for you to ask the craziest new people question you can imagine, none of them will offend me. And the whole group is nothing but people to ask questions, to struggle, to learn the very basics of the faith. Never be ashamed of where you're at. Never be ashamed of what you need. There's nothing wrong with it. The only problem is if you choose to stay there and not grow. But I love spending time with newer people to the faith. And there's a connection card in your pew. If you want to sign up for starting point, I'm going to limit it to 10 people. And if I need to do another class after that, we can, but it'll be a small group. It'll be fun. It'll be great. I've done it several times. You'll love it. Now, if you're somewhere in the middle, other than the beginning of our faith, that's what the 101, 201, 301, 401 classes are designed for. They teach you about church membership, about spiritual disciplines, recovering your spirit, excuse me, discovering your spiritual gifts and how to share your faith. We hope to start those back up soon. Check this out, all of our deacons, all of them signed up to be a part of a ministry team and we're gonna be putting those out soon to where all those ministry teams will be firing up and those classes will be firing up. It's good stuff happening behind the scenes. But also Wednesday nights, we have the Bible study for you to know more about the Bible. And then in a few weeks, we're gonna have a sermon series where I'm gonna give you more opportunities than you can possibly handle to serve, to be a part of something. We've created so many places and opportunities for you to serve for the glory of God. So that's coming soon. So I ask you to pray about it when? Now. Don't wait to hear about it to pray. Pray about it now so then when you hear about it, you're prompted by the Spirit to act on it. That's how that's supposed to work, by the way. Be prayed up now. All right. And then lastly... Those of you who are ready to make disciples, you're in that, that older stage, the young adult stage, and you're like, you know what? I wanna make followers of Jesus Christ. I wanna be a discipler. I, 
I've done so many great things. I just didn't have the language for it. Now I want to help other people grow. I want to invite you to take part of a class. We're going to do more classes. We're going to do about helping you make and mature followers of Jesus Christ. It is a small group. It is a commitment, but we will train you and we will help you. Remember, you cannot parent without kids. You cannot be a spiritual parent without spiritual children. In other words, you're not a discipler if you don't have disciples. We need others. Because as a church, we're here to make, make immature followers of Jesus. That's our mission. That's the whole purpose of the church. There's no other option. In fact, if we're not doing that, we're not actually a church. And I want you to know your leadership is sold out for this. We are so excited. And the deacons, they have signed up for it. We want you to join us. And check this out. When Jesus left, he left 11 apostles in charge. And then we see there was 120 in the upper room. So 120 people in the church. And they changed the world. Why aren't churches today changing the world with thousands of people? Because we're not maturing. We fight more amongst ourselves about the silliest things. It's about the glory of God. It's about people growing and knowing Jesus. Some of the other things are childish. They just are. We need to move past the elementary things. And we need to move towards maturity. Because if nothing else, church, we can, at least, we can at least try to help change Conway for the glory of God. I'd like the world. That might be a little too big. I don't know. But at least Conway. How about South Carolina? At least South Carolina. All right, we'll, we'll settle in South Carolina. The whole state, okay, we'll go after that. So starting point. Growth track, small group serving, and the disciple making. Fill out a connection card. Let us know what you want to do, and we want to help you to mature, to be able to make and mature followers of Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you so much for your word. And Lord, your word can be extremely challenging to all of us. It can be convicting. It can, can be uncomfortable. Lord, we thank you that you didn't leave us where we were at when you found us. We thank you that you saved us, that you cleaned us with the, the blood that was shed of Jesus Christ. We're so thankful that you redeemed us and set us apart to be used for your glory. And that, Lord, help us mature, help us grow. For many of us, we may not have had the language on what it looks like to grow and to mature. Lord, now that we do, I just ask that you, that you speak to each one of us and Lord, give us the boldness to take the steps. Lord, it doesn't matter where we're at and you are completely comfortable with what stage we are at. But I pray that we don't stay there. You don't want any of us to stay there. Father, help us take those next steps to mature. We love you and we thank you. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray.